1: Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mix Club page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. So, we are listening to Alex Chiguerra i got it right i got it right Excellent. it's the first tune from the album that just just came out two weeks ago two weeks ago and it's already sold out it's sold out yesterday yes it's like hot 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 on the plate this is uh, the name of the album is men mentalogenic mentalogenic you're gonna challenge me with all the names here today <laughs> i feel it already uh, we're here in blowing up
0: gates there you go nice uh it's is that your first lp It is my first LP as Alex Figueira, yeah. Yeah. I had a few
1: singles before. Okay, so for the people that don't know, I would say, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're wearing many hats as a (laughs) DJ, as a producer, as a musician, and yeah, let's start rolling with that. Tell us a little bit about yourself for the people that don't know who is Alex Figueira.
0: There you go. Okay, so I am um, a producer, musician, DJ. And I guess you could say record collector as well. Yeah. And I come from Venezuela. My family comes from Portugal. And I live in Amsterdam.
1: Okay. And you're here in the UK for a little promotion
0: for the album? Yes. I'm here to promote the album, see some friends. I'll be DJing as well. Nice. uh, Next week. Next week, Friday.
1: Next week, Friday. I think by the time we'll be playing that, it will be like somewhere in the past. Oh, oh well, okay, okay, okay. If you were in the gig next week, Friday, <laughs> one month ago, <laughs> you probably had a great time. Maybe last week, Friday, <laughs> I played. All right. Nice. But no, it's, it's, so, it, it's mainly like sort of supporting the two with, sorry, supporting the album with like kind of a DJ slash two. Are you doing like a full live show at the moment?
0: No, no. Uh, I've been asked that question quite regularly lately, um, but I don't really have a live show yet to be honest by the time i i i planned the whole album etc it's still in my mind yeah it was completely out of question to play the songs live Really? because yeah i mean not no strong feelings in particular it's just that the, there was not really room in my head for any more logistics for another band because i play in quite a few others yeah and it, it takes a lot of time yeah I mean, running a band and actually getting the band to oh man, getting
1: everybody together, that, man. That's, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's the logistic hustle.
0: Making there. an album is a lot easier than yeah. actually having a running, functioning band. So that for that reason, for me, it was like, no, there's no way I could handle it. But I've been asked so often that I decided to actually put it into action, and I'm, I'm putting a band together right now. We have, we've had it like for rehearsals so far no
1: way so it's actually gonna happen it is we gonna we're happen. definitely gonna see a live performance yeah, it That's is amazing. going to happen yeah
0: how would you describe
1: like the, the writing process when because i you know i'm looking at the credits in the back and it's like all was written by <laughs> you, instrument by you, producer it's like to do it all by yourself
0: i did yeah
1: i think it's very challenging from the back and forward, you know, because yeah. you know how it is. You're working on a mix, you leave it, you come back to it. When you work with another person, there's that dynamic, <laughs> and I always wonder if you need to do it all by yourself. Like, how does that work?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. It, it, I think he's got both both ingredients. It, it's definitely more challenging, but it can also be easier. Okay, you know, because it, it depends. Sometimes I've I've worked with a lot of people before, yeah, and I still do it to this day and, and it really depends you know I mean humans are complex Individual. complex uh, <laughs> subjects and, and sometimes it's very easy sometimes it's very complicated yeah and at least when you're working on your own you only have to do you only have to deal with yourself which sometimes it's very hard and sometimes it's very easy it really depends every day is different okay but yeah there's definitely challenges to it Um. yeah I mean, I mean what, what would I say Will I recommend it to someone? Yeah, if you if if it works. Yeah. You know, to me, it, it was more like a natural thing. I okay. started doing stuff on my own, mostly on the side. So
1: what it, what it would say is the writing process, because I feel like today, uh, especially if you do it all by yourself,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you play the instrument. So if if you strip it down for somebody that doesn't play the whole instrument, they have one instrument that they're playing, so yeah. they will write on the piano write the tunes, come with the melody, the hook, start to build it around that. But if you actually move the instrument, what is your go-to instrument? Where, where do you start? Which would be the first one? be like, yeah, first I sit with the guitar, ukulele, whatever, and that's my melody. You start with the loop, you start with a beat. It's, I think it's interesting.
0: Yeah, I have like a, a more common process. Uh, I have like a standard, let's call it a standard procedure that I, that I follow. I try to write new music every day. And it's not that's like that's
1: really good. Like I think it's so important. For I think it's important.
0: It is important. Yeah. I mean, the 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 more music you write, the easier it becomes to write music. And this is something that I only I've only figured out like I would say like a year and a half ago. Before my my writing was very sporadic. It's like oh, I need to write a single. Okay, let's go to the studio. Spend one month writing two songs
1: so when do you think you started like to do it like every day
0: not so for this album when did i start doing it every day i did i followed a, a a course with a production coach his name is mike monday he coaches a lot of producers he's got an online coaching business for producers and i follow his courses he was called how was it called uh oh damn i forgot the name but I mean, if you're hearing this, you're a producer and you're struggling for, uh, finishing music. I will strongly recommend it. Nice, look him up. Okay, Mike Monday. He's very Mike good. Mike Monday. It's so easy he's got it to remember. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> He's got. He he's been perf- perf- uh, perfectioning his own method for finishing music f- music fast. Mm-hmm. And I took I took all, all his teachings to practice. I put them to practice, and I, I can I can definitely. You say, he he's it's very effective. It's very effective. And what I mean the central the central pillar of of his of his program, let's call it, of of his method, is daily practicing, daily writing. Yeah. And he's very, very relentless with that because he, he centers the whole thing around that and I have to I have to say it really works. It changes everything. Wow. Like so before I wrote the album, it's like writing a song was like climbing a mountain. It was very, very difficult. No way. Very painful. Yeah. Yeah, it became a lot easier after. And and you would
1: say still, what would be the first thing that you grab in order to start a tune, like in terms of an instrument? In terms exactly. Of, uh, I was going to explain that, and yeah, I completely sorry, we sidetracked. Got, we got side-tracked. <laughs> Thank That's God. Uh,
0: what I was gonna say, I have l- let's call it my average process would be uh, so sitting down in the studio, I do what Mike calls a splurge. Splurge is basically you put on a timer, normally 15 minutes, and you write whatever without giving it any critical thought, nothing. You just write, literally. It's like you spit it out. And many times is with the drums, because that's what I can play easier. That's, that's my main instrument. instrument. Yeah, okay. that's, the, the first, that's my main instrument. So normally it starts with drums. Uh, and then if I have the time, I put on a bass. And if I have even more time, I put a riff or a guitar rhythm or whatever. But it's only if I have time. Because it's 15 minutes. Yeah. Once it's finished, I close the session and I don't listen to it for a week. And sometimes I do two, three, four of those in a day, depending how much time I have. And I just keep a backlog of these splurges. And what happens is in a different session, I open these splurges. And if I hear something I like, I develop the idea. So what what is just a, an idea, what is just basically some some gibberish, whatever. Yeah, yeah. If it's got any ingredient that, that grabs my attention, that I see any potential, I start sculpturing the thing. And then I do several sessions like this until it becomes a song.
1: So sometimes you find yourself taking a part, like a bass line for one thing and put it on a different drum. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And sometimes I start a song with, with the synth. If I come in the studio and, and the, the synth is just looking at me, they oh, let's start with the synth today. Yeah. For example, you were playing Blowing Up ga Blowing Up gates was, when I started turning it into a song, it was only a drum beat. It didn't have a bass. It didn't have nothing. But I remember when I opened the session and I heard the drum beat, I was like, oh, I like that. Okay, I, I, okay, I could yeah. make it work. And then I started putting all the, the other things lyrics. on top. Oh, some other songs started. Let me try to remember... Um for example the the following song Lava la lavo that, that that was a, a synth riff that pa pa that was the, that was the beginning of the song mm-hmm. I only had the synth riff and then I started adding everything okay so yeah I think
1: that's uh almost required for me to play that shit I'm going <laughs> to let you say a few more words what I'm trying to to cure it as we speak uh but so every every song is basically slightly bit different approach it's not like yeah you know you says you're a drummer and in so many ways i could really hear it in the album because the mm. the drum i wouldn't say it's drum heavy in terms of a mix but in terms of a present totally you yeah. know what i mean like you can hear the patterns you can hear your your preciseness every time this the ghost notes to bring in that goes in uh while i'm trying to cue i'm going to drop you another question if you ever find yourself working with a different producer, like is that something that you did before and then you realize, you know, I got to do everything by myself, you know, like Woody Allen sort of thing. You know, like <laughs> he's he did one movie, he wrote it down, somebody has directed it. it was like, no way, if I'm doing more movies, I have to do it all by myself. <laughs> so I don't know if that's your story.
0: <laughs> or- I'm I, I'm not sure how, how Woody allen it, it was, Uh, For me, the reason I started producing was because I was so obsessed with with records, uh, especially old records. I was really obsessed by the way they sounded. That to me became, after working with with different people, it became very important to have a a very specific sound. Not necessarily copying, copying and pasting what what I like from the other records, but it had to have that, that same character.
1: And you didn't feel the other producer work with? No, many times.
0: Again. No, many times I felt like if I told them something like, "Oh, the the drums sound too clean," they would look at me like, well, "What the hell are you talking about?" It's like, okay, "What do yeah. you mean too clean?" You know, like yeah, I was yeah. completely crazy, and 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 I I got really tired of having to explain something that to me was so big i mean being,
1: it's hard as well to explain how you hear things in your totally head. totally it's so hard it's super it? subjective right yeah, i mean yeah. there's no good or bad
0: yeah it's yeah just, of course of course so yeah it it, it, it became clear that that it would be easier to actually learn to produce and build my own studio and, and, yeah. and start my own label Do your own than thing, having right? to convince people I totally that, relate The, the drums to that. can be too clean, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I know some people might be hearing this and thinking this guy's crazy, but believe me, it's easier. No, but you
1: know what? The reason that I feel what you're saying is because when you have a vision of something in terms of sound, it's really hard to describe. No. And if you were, I never worked with a different producer. Everything I did, I was producing it myself and same thing with the record label, you know, starting my own thing, uh, but once you have that, and not everybody have that point of view when they do music. Some people have to have the producer from the outside. I think when it comes to a band, especially, because everybody hears their own instrument. You know, yeah. when you mix a band? Totally. And oh, there are more bass, bring some more bass. So <laughs> yeah, not, the dude, bass is too good, quiet. Yeah, it's yeah. always that thing, you know, and and when the producer comes, they come as a neutral. This is why I was kind of asking when you're doing your own thing, everything by yourself. It's It's hard. But at the same time, if you're really true to the production side of things, in terms of like how do you want it to sound and you have the vision, so you you don't care about the synth, the drums, the bass, the guitar, you care about the picture
0: totally yes, and
1: once you have that in front of you, you go like, "Yeah, that's how we're gonna go. We're gonna play another tune, the one we just talked about, which I'm gonna lavate la boca there you go. What's that mean?
0: Uh, it means wash your mouth
1: (laughs) okay we'll be back la boca.
0: I got it right. Yeah. Lávate la boca. Lávate
1: go. la boca. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Amazing. I'm trying, you know, working on a bit my my accent in that sense. But that's the tune that you said it it was more of a synth. Started with the synth. Yeah. Are you talking about that bass <laughs> there? underneath or of that. The, no, I, the lead. The lead. The lead. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Uh I know that you know people when they do sort of I would say instrumental music mm-hmm. because it's it's not necessarily a singer-songwriter and then you build around that. Yeah, And there's always that question. <laughs> it's kind of, it might be like a curveball, but the names of the tracks, like I, the all have meanings, the whole have like behind something, I had some artists go like, oh man, don't ask me about the name of the tracks. Like I just gave a name when we did it because it was raining that day, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> this kind of thing. But I'm curious in your case because I can see like uh, a little better serious silky and some of them are in spanish la, Calebra, la, culebra. la culebra yeah but yeah tell I us mean, a little bit about that how is the process the <laughs> names, names yeah
0: the process i'm I'm gonna be honest and and yeah i'm gonna disappoint a lot of people or maybe get them excited i don't know some of them the, the names came in naturally some of them are a little obvious i mean la culebra is called la culebra because that's that's what the lyrics talk about okay um The 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 one we just heard that that's pretty much the only thing I sing about in the lyrics. That's so when the lyrics suggested, I try not to deviate too much. Yeah. Uh, in in other cases, in the merely instrumental ones, what what I try to do by the time I had to name them was to figure what kind of feeling, emotion, or or moment or scene the yeah. the song will trigger, triggering my head and and name it according to that. Cause i
1: think it's very you, you said something there which i put so much emphasis on as a producer is the feeling totally when you make music you know i was sitting with a couple of bands at the time and i was like what do you want people to feel when they hear it and people sometimes don't spend struggle. much time to listen to it or to think about it, the struggle like uh, i don't know it's my song you know like no man but each song can have a different feeling, I mean, I yeah. think uh, music for me is feelings, you know it's, totally. it's it's so as a producer, it's kind of like you're you're creating a certain vibe, somebody put the music, especially if there's like okay, one lyric, there' like a sentence in the song, so the lyric's not gonna buy you, but it's the music that's gonna you know you feel like connected to totally uh, totally so totally agree. when you were doing this album, does that reflect any sort of period of your life? you know, I know a lot of people went making music when COVID, yeah. <laughs> kind of like, you know, that's what you got to do, you know, you had the time.
0: Well, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that because um, when, I mean, COVID for me, I don't know if it was for you or other people, but COVID was absolutely horrendous for me. I mean, it, it was one of the hardest periods of, of my life in personal and... To be honest, the, the whole thing and everything that happened during that time, it, for me, what it meant was the perhaps this is going to sound dramatic, but there's no other way to call it. For me, it was a, a very deep existential crisis, maybe the, the hardest I've had. I mean, every artist yeah. has an existential, going, ongoing existential crisis, but it, during COVID, it, it got really out of hand. Really? Yeah, for me, I mean, I was very close. I was very, I think I've never been nearer of giving up music entirely like it was during Corona. I was really close. Really? Yeah, for uh, me. It why? Because I just couldn't handle it. It was everything, everything at once. You know, I mean, I've always struggled with, um, yeah, feelings of self-worth and uh, self-doubt like every other artist. Yeah. And yeah, during Corona, I think the notion that that I got from the policies policies implemented by the government, which ends up shaping your life in one way or another, just transmitted or made the feeling very strong that what I was doing wasn't really valuable. Yeah. And it's a hard feeling to bear, at least for me, that something you have dedicated your entire life to has no worth for society. It's very It difficult. was
1: really hard. As you say, everybody took it differently. I mean, I became a father three months into COVID. So, wow. and prior to that, I was supposed to do a lot of gigs. So, in a way, I was kind of like, yeah, fuck that, man. I'm home <laughs> with my baby for like the next year, which exactly. was a privilege, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's, but I do f- feel and felt all the downsides that came from the professional side of things took me a while to get back into the gigging and to going out when suddenly for a year and a half, you know, before the strictures started to get off, I was everything I was doing, just being a father. So I felt like I can only be a father if everything is in a lockdown. (laughs) I don't need to gig. I don't need to, to do any of my regular work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So everybody had, as you say, a different way, but it's, I don't know if I, to say that I felt that uh, it was over as a career, but it, I had a moment that I felt like I'm not sure if I can go back to it in terms of gigging and getting out late at night. I mean, last night I did a gig at the Hutana in two o'clock in the morning. I just started, and basically, if you put that one year ago, I would like, oh, I could never do it. I'm, you yeah. know, but the time passed, and she's almost three now, and you exactly. know, you know, it is like I think you got a child. Um, yeah,
0: my daughter is eleven. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. Dif- different. <laughs> it's game a different, now. different game. Yes, <laughs> yeah.
1: but you know those first years, and then they become more independent. Totally. totally. Yes, yeah. but this morning was like we a, a struggle. I mean, I have an amazing <laughs> partner. She took it out, and
0: I was like, oh, "Be able to sleep in." Yeah, it. coming home at three and waking up at seven. Let's play. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know it is. It's, it's harsh, yes. but
1: it's it's amazing at the same time. Which is, uh, I always feel like it's a it's a whole topic because I think it was a game change becoming apparent. absolutely yeah, but so. i mean
0: nothing changes your life more than that yeah, yeah. i would i would say yeah yeah <laughs> you know?
1: i mean i had a personal experience of like gigging everywhere in europe going all the way to india with my band djing everything you know you you get the hype yeah when you do music and i think became so small compared to the birth of my daughter
0: totally <laughs> no that that's what it is yeah absolutely yeah yeah
1: but uh yeah so over COVID, you said there was a bit of a harder time, but you still managed to pull out this. Well, the the, the reason album.
0: why this album is is very special for me was because, uh, I mean, I was at that point that I was totally ready to to call it a day. You know, I was I was looking into options. Uh, I was I, I think the only reason why why I didn't completely shut it down is because I didn't have I wanted I I was really toying with the idea of becoming a plumber. Nice. I do really enjoy working with, with tools hands. and with my hands. I find it very, very rewarding. It is. And, it's incredible. And it meant some security, income security, which I, I found tremendously appealing at that yeah. point. And the only that. reason I didn't go for it is because I didn't have the money to to do the course. I mean, living in, I don't know how it is here in England, but in, in Holland you need a course, okay. a two-year course. It's very expensive. Two years. I didn't have the money.
1: So you see, if you had the money, we never had
0: the album. If I had the money, (laughs) I I wouldn't be sitting here. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure about that. So what happened was uh, my friend Marco, who works in this company that that, that has this program where they ask five artists based in Holland to do an album every year and they give him a grant. He just came at that moment when I was just ready to call it quits. And he's like, hey, I got this money. I want you to be one of the five guys to make an album. You want to do it? And I was like, yeah, of course. Uh, you're going to pay me to make an album. Yeah, I'll do it. At that Amazing, point, yeah. I didn't really think. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. He meant work, you know. I yeah. was so desperate. I was like, sure, yeah, whatever. I, I'll, I'll I'll, do you a progressive jazz album if you need, which I'm not I'm capable of, but whatever he <laughs> needed. Whatever he needed. Whatever,
1: needs. whatever he needed, in.
0: I would have done it. So I said, yeah, okay, let's do it. And then he, I remember it was like two and a half months uh, time which which was very tight he actually mentioned he was like, are you going to manage it don't worry I will and the funny well the funny <laughs> crazy thing that happened is like r- almost right after I said yes it was this particular time it was like corona restrictions f- finally got all dropped and you probably had the same right This just this tsunami of work coming yeah. your way yeah, 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 so you come from completely drowned and having not a single drop of water to literally be droning, open like it it was insane was how was it for you for me was very taxating in my mind was just hard to handle i
1: was very excited to be back on the Mm roads and to you know i remember we went to see to do woman festival like with my band after the twice it was postponed and i remember that feeling of coming to a festival (laughs) you know like we didn't check in and and you go to your stage, Finally, you do it, it. And, and it's like, yeah, that's that's why you're doing it. And I remember there was this, because at that point I felt, I don't know if I want to do it anymore, but I was saying earlier, because, you know, I felt like, you know, I want to be more with my daughter, focus on the label, mm-hmm. giving, you know, almost like work that's going to keep me more at home rather than on the roads. But it was funny, we, we did the gig, and there was like 11, 12-year-old boys in the front of the gig, loving it like literally wow. was going crazy for it and i felt like oh my god this is why we should do it this is why i should keep on doing it because yeah. you know it means something to somebody that you know and I found, I found it like you know it's very like a left field of music for such young kids to yeah. want to be there in the front row and enjoy it obviously the parents are doing great bringing <laughs> him to Walmart festival yeah uh but yeah that that moment i felt like yeah i gotta i gotta continue and you know keep on doing the gigs with uh, in different venues i i did couple of adjustments for some things that felt like okay i don't want to do that anymore uh and focus more the things that i do want to do yeah uh but yeah most definitely before i was in tel aviv in the beginning of april but in march i had like a really busy month you know after a while yeah like i was always been gigging but that that month was quite busy and i felt like yeah back we're on the roll you know back again studio recording
0: back on the horse yeah yeah literally
1: (laughs) you feel like it you feel like yeah okay now that was the first time i think within years that you know because at first when the restriction stopped you were getting a lot of work and then Mm -hmm. suddenly and then nothing again and and i was like what's what's happening because all the festival keep postponing the gigs Mm -hmm. you know people postponing lineup from before and it was yeah. such a
0: mess. Um, it yeah. was such a mess, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, it was super hard.
0: But I mean, yeah, that that, that happened. And and suddenly, uh, you know, I was like, okay, no, I know I have to do the album, but I have these four gigs and this recording session and this, this guy wants me to mix it. So I was just trying to juggle with everything. And I thought, oh no, I have enough time. I have enough time. And eventually, uh, I remember exactly the moment. It was like, I realized, okay, I have 10 days, almost 10 days to finish the album and it's, I'm so far behind. Wow. And it was that moment was like crucial for me. It was like, okay, I'm not going to screw this up. I'm going to deliver this album. Especially because I didn't want to disappoint Marco. Yeah. I, uh, I have given, given him my word and I find it very important to, to keep my word. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same.
1: Uh, with, with the label, we're always signing contracts, but I keep saying to the <laughs> artist like, My word is stronger than the contract. Totally. If if I say something, and if it's not in the contract, I'm staying behind it. But unfortunately, you got to do contract.
0: Of course. (laughs) No, I mean.
1: Yeah. But. I see what you're saying. Like once you said you committed to the dude, they gave you that security of, uh, look, you want to do an album, there's a budget. Suddenly it's give you a space. Not every artist have that No, it's totally,
0: it's total luxury. Absolutely. Yeah. At least that's how I look at it. I want to play another tune from
1: the album uh i'm actually gonna go for the b-side hey, fir- yeah. first track which we mentioned the name earlier la, la, cale- culebra. la culebra oh god i'll get that right eventually come <laughs> on and then we get back we'll be back in <laughs> very fast uh-huh. Okay, so we were talking a little bit in between when we're listening to the record, and we can't stop talking. And I wish like the mic was always on because uh, it's okay. So it's the first LP that's coming out on your label, correct? Yes, uh, music with soul. Mm-hmm. And prior that you did seven inches. Yeah, I did. How many you did so far? You produced,
0: I believe, sixteen. 16? 16, 7 inches. That
1: could yes. be like another two albums. Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 16 A-side, B-side is
0: easily. 32 songs. Where's the best of but coming But they, they're out, not like... all mine. <laughs> no, they're not all mine. At the beginning of the label, I was putting out other people's music. Okay. Yeah, it was only after the fourth single that I exclusively uh, started working with my own productions. So after the four 7 7-inch? Fourth 7-inch, yeah.
1: Is, and so all the other 12 are yours? Yes. Or It's yeah. still, you got another two yes. for the people that don't <laughs> collect 7 inches. Cause we were just talking about like, a 7 inches is a very specific crowd. Totally. Like you, you know, even though people buy digital and that, but I think people buying LPs,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a different crowd than the people that buy 7 inches. And uh, definitely, I'm kind of happy that you managed to do an LP that stand by itself. It doesn't have any singles from the seven inches. No, no, no. All the it's songs all like are only music.
0: the songs are only in the in the LP. Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, the song we heard now that was the leading single,
0: the first digital single. Yes. Yeah, that
1: came out. Mm-hmm. And when it came out, like there's always that feeling of uh, others people gonna respond. Totally. And and how did you find it? Did you have like moments of going like? Yeah, actually, it went down really well. Better than I expected. I mean, the album came out officially two weeks ago and it's already sold out. I think that's said by itself. But any places that it hits that I would say you didn't expect it to hit?
0: I mean, if, if you're talking about expectations. It's, I, I always try to keep them low. Better. Uh, definitely better. But I mean, from the mostly from the label owner point of view, especially... And it's one of the I would say advantages of having to do both is like if one is too hard to handle, just put the other head on and try to yeah. focus on that so from the From the label owner point of view, I always try to keep the expectations low. It's like, okay, yeah, what's the worst that can happen that I sell zero albums? I mean, honestly, I think that scenario is very unlikable <laughs> uh, <laughs> I agree, but you know you, you keep on loan whatever you get it, it's a bonus. It's it's a plus. You you do your best and yeah. and, and you hope for the stars to align. Because I mean, the way an album is received it, is received is not really it's not entirely true. depending on you. Oh, no, at not, not at all. Not at all. Exactly. Out, it's
1: like you it's out of your you hands. do
0: your best and you yeah. hope for 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 the universe to to give back to you. And, and you yes. also
1: don't know. I think in terms of the singers or the songs, whatever is going to be picked more than the other. Totally. Uh, yeah yeah it's so stronger than you it's hard think.
0: it's it's hard it's one of the hardest things of of working with music right it's like you yeah. you gotta work just as hard on on everything you do and sometimes you get the return and sometimes you don't yeah and honestly the the the, the results have completely surpassed any of even the wildest expectations nice it's like a, so many great things have happened i mean starting with the the quotes I got it's like that to me so, that yeah. was to me, that was the 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 start of like, okay, I think this is this is gonna work. This is not gonna be too hard to sell. And and yeah, yeah I was yeah, I yeah. was very very pleased, very honored to have those guys talk about my album with those words. Yeah, Talking about Miles Clarence, uh, Kenny Dope, yeah, some yeah, good and here. the hotel, and the hotel, the hotel, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, a situation. lot of people will read that and think that I paid them to to say. And I'm <laughs> glad they did. I'm glad they didn't charge me because I, I, there's no money I could pay for. No, I think like it's that.
1: when it's really uh, legit, you know, when it's come from the people and when they really. That I think that's the beauty of our uh, business and doing like this soul music, which I still call left field because it's the totally. furthest thing from a mainstream. And yeah. whoever is into it. They're into it for the right reasons. Yeah. It's just because they like the music. They're giving feedback just because they really enjoy it. It's mm-hmm. not because you won't be able to buy it. No. One of them was that movie, uh, Exit from a Gift Shop. Have you seen that, that documentary yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. Banksy? Exactly. <laughs> so I always thought that that dude is actually...
0: Banksy Banksy himself. Yeah, I also, I also. also, Now that you say it, yeah, I also thought Uh, the same.
1: Because, it was Mr. Brainwash. Yeah, and he was like showing that once he get all those quotes for those big artists, Mm -hmm. uh, graphic designer, uh, graffiti designers, it's gonna pump him up. And the name that he chose, Mr. Brainwash, and suddenly he was doing like a cover for Madonna and all these kind of things. I was like, that is because if that's true, "That that is brilliant. Totally, that is brilliant. Totally. Uh, But back at you, you work with a lot of different bands, Mm -hmm. Uh, as a producer, as a musician. Any names that we might know? I mean, I I know, but any experience (laughs) from names that you want
0: to bring up? Uh, I mean, uh, I haven't really worked with, 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 I mean, you mentioned Madonna. I I, I haven't worked in that sort of level. Yeah. No, I I I believe the most famous band I've worked with is probably Altin Yeah, uh, I played with them for a while as the um, uh, substitute percussionist. Okay. Because Gino, the percussionist back then, was too busy with other stuff, and he asked me to to, play to sub for him, thing. and it was fun. It was great. I had a had a great time. I did a couple of tours with them, mm-hmm. and after that, th- actually during Corona. I wrote a song with Merv, the the singer. Yeah, that became one of their singles for, the, I believe, the third album. That's great. And yeah, that was that was fantastic. I I joined them in the video clip. It was it was cool. So that's probably my the the highest level in terms of notoriety and and people knowing the name. So you were working
1: more as like a musician. Yes, as like a session musician or a replacement. I mean because I, th- I think you work with cherry bandora as well
0: yes i did i did produce their uh, debut album yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. in, in, the, in the, berlin
1: they sent, they sent me a photo i was like i know this guy <laughs> yeah that was
0: that was uh that was a fantastic session yeah, yeah that was, i had a blast any
1: other bands you know because i feel sometimes you know we we work and get involved with a lot of bands but they're not necessarily as you say like the most famous one that you know you could you could name Altin goon but any other acts that you work, as a producer, as a musician that you work with and you want to say like, Oh, you got to check it out. Cause you know, sometimes things don't hit totally. as much as this one, you know, yes. it's, you know, you release an album and there's a reaction. There were moments that I have had albums in my hands and I thought, man, that's going to be great. And, and it didn't, it didn't happen with yes. it. Sometimes I feel yeah. like it doesn't matter how talented you are. What do you do? These a an extra element that you need in order to push it. But any any names you want to mention by? It?
0: I mean, I, I play, um, not, I spend a lot of my time working with Conjunto Papa Uba. That's something that started again as a solo project and eventually developed into an actual band or more or less of an actual band. Uh, and We have a second album, which is finished and it should be coming out uh, probably towards the end of the year. Maybe beginning of the fall.
1: Is it going to come? It's going to your... come
0: on Music With Soul, yes. Nice. Yeah, I decided not too long ago. Nice, <laughs> nice. So that 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 will be next. I will be announcing the follow-up LP on Music With Soul, which is from the, another band I play with called Lola's Dice. Mm-hmm. And it's more, uh, well, it's decidedly tropical. It's like psychedelic, tropical, more dance floor-oriented than my solo stuff. Okay, and the album has come out already digitally. It came out on a Dutch label, but I got I got the license to do the vinyl because they didn't want to do vinyl. Like,
1: the label didn't want to do vinyl. No, I
0: was like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> you know? Nice. So that's coming out probably in a month. I will announce oh, okay. it next week. Nice. And uh, well, you mentioned Cherry door I think they're, they're having their album coming out uh, with Rebel Up and there's another label that I'm sorry I forgot it's like a joint venture yeah I'm really excited to to hear that act because I think it, I think they did a great job in, in making the album completing nice. the album I think it's gonna I think it's, it's, it's gonna be good it's, it's, well it sounded really good in the studio yeah yeah so. it did
1: a great job I took one of the songs for my uh, Middle Eastern groove compilation there you go the Essay nice essay. Yeah, oh, I nice. love that tune and it's nice. gonna be the last uh, released the last single for the compilation when Brilliant. it really came
0: out. Yeah. Amazing. And apart from that, um uh there was one else I wanted to mention. Let me try to remember. Oh yes, I there's this other project that, that, that is only is exclusively a studio thing that I do with my my friend brother from another mother, Andre, Andre Novo. Andre is actually the guy who Came out with the name of the album. He helped me name the album. And it's that I have like a significant meaning. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he accompanied. The, he he was there during the whole pro. I mean, the whole process. We, we didn't talk in detail about it, but it was it was freaking mental because I mean, I mentioned about the nine days, right? Yeah, uh, the nine days was was hard enough as it was having to finish. I, I don't recommend anybody try to make an album in nine days. It's, it's not really, it it's, really not <laughs> man, like. it's not fun. impossible, man. It's so not fun. So you
1: started nine days before the deadline? I mean, <laughs> You no, had a couple the, of ideas. The
0: thing is, there's a lot of misconception about it. I mean, it's not like I started from zero yeah. and I came out with that in nine days. I think that would have been impossible. No, as I yeah. mentioned before, I, I try to write music every day and I have a sure. backlog, a quiet numerous backlog of of ideas and I selected the ideas I liked the best 10 ideas I picked up and I developed them into the album Mm -hmm. Uh, of course in a normal setting I would develop more than 10 and then choose the best one but there was no room for that so I just chose the ones that I thought made sense and and finished the album and honestly I think I got very lucky (laughs) because they all ended up making sense together and then at the end, I was like, "Okay, I need a name." I was like, Andrea, I need a name. Help me." Um uh, it was actually on the day I had to deliver the album. I was like, "I need a name today." <laughs> he's like, <laughs> oh, "Send me the album." Okay, I send him the album. Uh, it, he's one of my closest friends, so he knew about the whole thing. He was quite aware of of the circumstances around it. So he he, I remember he texted me like uh, an hour or two later. He's like, "He's your name." Boom. But he's a super creative person. He runs a company that sells games board games okay so he's always coming out with crazy stories and yeah he's just a very very uh image rich personality and he actually helped me together with his wife he wrote the text on the back of the on the okay, back the, of the, the album okay okay which is is totally insane <laughs> i didn't do that myself
1: <laughs> yeah i'm going to read that properly not yes. now but i'm going to give it a proper read i want to play another song uh, a little better, is that? All right. is that after COVID the restriction <laughs> came down, or,
0: or it's just? Why? Why is he called like that? That one, I I don't really remember why I named it that. I think it's because he it had. It had a. Um, there were two songs in particular that, when I when I was developing them, developing them and and try to get them finished, they somehow gain. Uh, a bit of a lullaby character to me. Mm-hmm. They were very comforting, and it's this one and and silky. Okay, they they ended up helping me feel better about the whole the whole damn thing because that was the thing I forgot to mention. Apart from the nine days and all the craziness, right before I had to start the nine day crazy stunt, I injured myself during jujitsu practice. Oh God. And he he was just he just made the situation much much harder than it was. I got a I got a pinched nerve. Oh my god! And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And my doctor wasn't really trying to help. She just kept giving me painkillers. Painkillers that had to be harder and harder because it was was becoming impossible to sleep. And oh god, I couldn't think about it. when I worse. finished that one. It was like I I it was I I wanted to tell myself. The, the i wanted to remind myself that no matter how miserable i was feeling cuz i was totally back then it was like don't worry it's going to get a little better later on this no condition is permanent right so yeah, hold sure. on to it
1: yeah give it give it a minute yes
0: so this is a little better okay <laughs>
1: I do have to say that that is definitely a tune that's giving you certain feelings that you more, most likely, the way that you described it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, ballad, melody, it's got a dub heavy reggae element into it, which is kind of a repeating element in your music. Like uh, in this album and in the seven inches, I was always find it hard to describe what sort of music do you do? Uh,
0: I, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> Thank you.
1: You know, not because it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, you should take it as a compliment because it's it's had so many flavors. And I think that's what... Uh, when a true artist or a musician that makes music, I think the approach, in my eyes, should be like, today I feel like to do this kind of style and tomorrow I feel to do this kind of style. Like Rather than, you know just go with one style and that's the yeah. only thing i know I, it's one of my favorite artists like in in israel uh, Vieta Alban. i remember his first album was like very like heavy piano melancholic amazing depressing yeah. um, amazing album and uh, it was a breakthrough when it came out also the production and everything and the second album was like a bit more dancey and electronic production and everybody wow. slagged it off and i was like this is amazing. Like the dude gave a totally different flavor yeah, and still managed to do it good. It's not, you know, it's like Dave Bowie, for example. You exactly. that's different hats of an artist. It's so important. Yeah. And I think you privilege to have that options to give us that different uh, flavors. And it's kind of leading me to almost the next question in terms of like, when did you realize that that's what you want to do? Because, you know, you want to do music. Did you learn drums when you were younger? Where did this all started, like, in terms of, like, you know, the love for the music, I want to produce, I want to write.
0: (laughs) Do you remember that? (laughs) I remember the moment exactly. I I mentioned it, uh, I don't remember when, but I I do remember that moment. It was a very specific moment for me. Uh, I mean, I, I was always very musical, uh, I was always really into music. I always really liked music. Um, you grew up in Portugal, you say? I grew up in Venezuela. In Venezuela. Within a Portuguese family. Okay, sorry. Yeah, my family's from Portugal, but Portuguese immigrants in Venezuela. And yeah, I was I was always crazy about music. One of the few pictures that, that I have from my childhood, um, it's it's actually, it's, it's the only picture of my childhood that I have in my possession. It's just, I think I was three and he's just dancing in front of my my parents' hi fi system. Nice. And I remember the record I was dancing to. It was an no ARO. Way. It was an Auro record. Aro the, the soccer artist from Trinidad who was huge back yeah. then and I was crazy about him. My mom had one record of his. And I would I Could will be. play that record like crazy. And so yeah, always always musical. My aunt was probably the first one to realize she gave me a bongo when I was eight really crappy bongo that i hit almost every day and until making my mom completely crazy Uh, later on i started using my mom's brushes because my mom used to paint i used to start uh, playing the bongo with her own brushes and i made kind of this sort of crappy made up drum set myself with a couple of this cans. so much fun when you're young and you set up your own thing. Exactly. Like, that's
1: the best drum kit
0: ever, man. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, back then, I remember almost at, at that point, I was just playing stuff off the radio, not specifically. And there was one time during that summer vacation that I was waiting for my uncle to go to work because, I mean, when you're the child of a Portuguese family during summer vacation, you go to work, you don't go to, you don't go to the beach or whatever, no, you go to work to actually learn the value of work. (laughs) (laughs) That was another summer vacation for a Portuguese descent in Venezuela. I was waiting for my uncle to get ready so we could go to his, to his work and I was just, you know, swapping on the TV. And there was this program in Venezuela in the mornings, used to be very boring political programs, you know, political discussion, blah, blah. And I remember there was this one on Channel Two. It was called La Puerta Cerrada. And that day, they didn't have a political discussion. They had an actual crazy life uh, program with three ska and rocksteady bands. No way. And yeah, that that was the moment. That was the moment. I remember I saw it was a, a ska special. Ska was very big in Venezuela in the in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Huge, because the biggest band back then was a a kind of a ska fusion band, and it was called the Sorden Público. And I saw them in TV, and and it he, he just blew me away completely. Like that's what I want to do. Totally. That that was the moment. He, he was he was totally. That, that was quite the turning point How old for were you? Eight- I was eleven. Eleven, sorry. I was eleven. Yeah, I, 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 I went completely crazy. I used so you, you live in
1: your dream. Not a lot of people can say that.
0: No, no. I,
1: Unfortunately, I... <laughs> but you know,
0: no, it's true. When when I think when I think back in in retrospect and 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 all all the things that that have have happened for me, I think I, I have been very, very, very lucky. Yeah, I think you people know,
1: underestimate the luck. Totally, yeah. No, no, no. You need to work hard, but luck is a very big part of
0: it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, not just hard work. Hard work and and, and luck is yeah, it's usually together. the combo. The, yeah. You need them both. You need both. I Absolutely, hundred percent agree. <laughs> and yeah, no. I mean, if you would have asked me back then, when I was, you know, when I was thirteen, and I would be in my in my living room listening to the specials or whatever, that I'd be in, sitting here in in the middle oh, of Soho man. doing a radio interview, I wouldn't believe you. Yeah. i know the feeling (laughs) absolutely and and
1: back then you went and you you studied music you studied drums or
0: yeah i mean after that moment that turning point moment that that i just described and my actual beginning of of studying the drums the drums was it's actually the only instrument that i have studied formally Mm -hmm. but that happened when i was 15. i had to wait a little bit yeah because i mean money was tight i didn't have a drum set etc But after 15, I started learning drums. I had like a year of lessons. And after that, I moved to Portugal. I moved first with my grandma. Uh, Luckily enough, my grandma had uh, her own house, so I could play my drums without bothering directly the neighbors. And I say directly (laughs) because they will still hear my drums, but they couldn't complain because I was in my grandma's house. Okay. And I did get a, a tremendous amount of practice at that point. Like I would come back from school sit on the drums. and I'll just bang the drums for four or five hours straight. Yeah, that's that goes you know, that
1: says it all. When yeah. you sit down four or five hours a day, the results is gonna be there.
0: Yeah, no, no, totally. I, I, I was super lucky to, to get that kind of time yeah. to work on my on my own language as a musician yeah and that that, i think that's when i really learned the most of course the theory i had before was very useful and technique and all that Mm -hmm. but the the actual what i call the the significant the most significant education was during that period because that that's when i learned to play the 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 songs of the artists that i like the most and i learned them note by note it's like the, those records every that I was into hits, we got... every single ghost note yeah. I, I I could play Yeah, I was yeah. like hardcore nerding that's
1: what I always used to tell uh, musicians when they come to the studio when you work with them as a producer I was like take your favorite tune when you were like 15 and you knew it inside out you know when you knew every ghost note as exactly. you said and imply that into a production don't just think about the song you know just get into the fine details but would you say Where do you feel the most comfortable hat as a DJ, as a producer, as a musician? Like, you know, for example, I'm bringing Woody Allen again because I'm reading now a book about him. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, you know, he was doing stand up, which he hated. Really? Yeah, he never enjoyed that. Uh, The only reason he was playing in this movie because there was no budget for others. (laughs) He, He felt the most comfortable writing. Even as a director, he doesn't really like to go on site and to do what he's doing is feel most comfortable. The reason he's doing everything in New York, because he want to be sleeping at home in the night when he finished work. But his process, the writing is the process that he enjoyed the
0: most. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I'm all, you know, when, when you wear different hats, producer, DJ, musician, like where do you feel the most comfortable?
0: I think it changes. Uh, probably if you ask me this question next year, I'll have a different answer right now. Right now, I believe what, I, what I enjoyed the most is uh, Producing. 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 Yeah, producing. Of course, the the style of production I I do is a little bit hybrid in nature because when I say producing, especially with my own music, uh, let's call it like when it comes to my own music, what I mentioned producing is actually songwriting, actual producing, which which in this case means taking what what has been written written and adapted, change it, mold it, and also mixing. Yeah. So the when I talk about producing my own music it's always in the crossroads between these three th- different things. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's what I what I really like the most right now. It's like the process of sitting down in the studio and coming with a blank page and and actually developing and finishing a song. Yeah. I find very very rewarding and very exciting. And
1: um, when you work with other musicians and coming in as a producer it's slightly bit different because like the song is there uh you have a different approach for it and do you th- find it
0: easier it's hard to tell it's hard to tell when, when i when i work with other bands and they hire me as a producer the first question i ask is well it's not it's probably not the first but not one much of, money, <laughs> no, no that's definitely not the joking. first no i asked them I asked them first what, what do they want to achieve with the album, which some people find a weird question uh, but I find very important it is and and then I asked them okay what what are you expecting of me? what kind of role do you want me to do because production it i find it, it it's kind of a abstract concept right yeah it's uh, Every producer has their their own style. Some some production can be very intrusive. Some production can be minimal, and they're both valid. It it depends on on many things. It depends on what the band wants. Yeah, it's the um,
1: dynamics. Like Rick Rubin always have that exactly. view of things. In, you know, he you sometimes just sit there.
0: Exactly. So sometimes you need. Sometimes your yeah. role needs to be say nothing. Exactly. I've been in that position, and yeah. and it it takes fine tuning. You know, it takes. I'm I'm still learning, and I still have a lot to learn. But it's very important to to know to under to really understand what the band wants, yeah. and and your function, your 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 role as a producer is to actually get them there or help them get there. Yeah. And and sometimes it is sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's, it's difficult. I mean, we were talking about Cherry Bandora, for example, and I I found that by asking those questions that I normally ask. Like, it seemed to me they didn't really have a clear idea. Like, okay, you, we want to make an album. It's like, what you mean we want? It's like, no, yeah. okay, that's the first step. But what do you want? Why do you want to make an album? Like, yeah, well, we want to, we want to play gigs. We want to tour. It's like, okay. So you want to reach people. You want to show your, your music to other people. And, and we, I mean, by asking questions, we got to this point that I specifically understood what they wanted and that made it all much easier nice you know some things i uh it became very clear for me what i how far i could push it or how far i should push it and when i should stop
1: yeah it's a fine line because as you said you, you need to feel the artist that you work with totally and from my experience you know bringing a lot of people to the studio I, one of the thing i found the most sometimes you know we were just doing the recordings we weren't like producers and
0: just engineering yeah just engineering yeah. and
1: and you sit there and you realize they have no idea what they want to do they were like <laughs> yeah we were gigging for like two years it was hammering it was great like let's record it it's not the same no not, <laughs> you can't no. you know even personally i'm not the biggest fan of live uh albums mm-hmm. i don't don't always find it. i like when a band sits in the studio and they put the time into it i think they're probably the more live albums that I enjoyed were more like on the jazz of course side of things because yeah. they yeah. got a different way how they you know express themselves. Totally. I would say. Yeah. But with, with other genre of music, a bit less. And yeah, you if you know what you wanna bring in the album between what you're trying to achieve with the album, which is it's a similar question that I would ask before we sign a band in the label. It's like what do you think we're going to do yeah, <laughs> what are you expecting the expectation as a yeah. label like yeah. you know and they go like i want to love gigs but, but i'm not a booking agent you know exactly like, it's not yeah it's irrelevant we every every person have a different heart and a different job that they need to do uh, i want to play one more tune from the album yeah uh serious Right. You want to elaborate about that, or we're we just gonna play it? <laughs> are we gonna stay serious? And and is that is that based on the fact that you're standing there with the teddy bear and the jacket?
0: A is bit, that- <laughs> yeah. It, it was, yeah. I always find it important to have a to have a certain a certain dose of not taking yourself too seriously. I find that very very important. It, it's very easy to end up taking yourself too seriously.
1: Yeah, yeah. In music. I, I'm, I'm supporting that quite a lot. I think yeah. you, keep, you gotta keep it on the city side and be like easy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean li- life is life can be can can require of you to be too serious many times. Like yeah. I mean we're doing music, right? We love it, it's super necessary. But it's it's important to to serve its function as as making the rest of our are performing duties as human beings a little easier i
1: agree i agree uh okay so i'm going to play probably one more song serious and we're going to get back to the chat serious serious <laughs> seriously that's a killer tune mate thank you man I love it I love it and uh, we've been really enjoying the sound here the box where I so saw radio in case somebody forgot they don't know this is B-Side session we got Alex Figuera
0: amazing yeah, you got it right? yeah. Hey! <laughs> incredible
1: so we got a little bit more time and a little bit a few more habits sorry habits which bring me to the next question Be a few more questions and I find it interesting to know a little bit about the people. If you have like any sort of habits, rituals that you would do before a gig?
0: Before a gig? Let me see. Um well, it depends what kind of gig. It dep- if it's if it's for example with Conjunto Papa Upa, which uh, I'm pretty much responsible for everything, the habit is making sure that everybody's there on time. <laughs> <laughs> That everybody has the clothing, and that, that that the the technicians read the writer. You know, basically dealing with the million issues that you yeah. always have before a gig. There's not really much room for any other habits, rather than that. This is
1: not like a meditation mode. No, uh, no, no. I, I wish. must have a coffee <laughs> before the gig. We had like different <laughs> habits with the different artists. Different people have different things. that I'm not even going to mention, but. You know, like uh, I don't know. You need a, like at least twenty minutes nap before a gig. Oh, or... I
0: wish, man! I wish. No, I don't. I don't have the luxury. It's, it's in, a diff- <laughs>
1: no. in different vibes, like when you do a DJ set, because you know, when you do a DJ, I always find when I was playing with a band, it's it's one thing. You know, you got your mates, you everybody yeah. together. A bit more of a hustle sometimes. A bit more thing to take care of. But when suddenly you do a DJ set and you're by yourself, you are like where's everybody? You know what I mean? Like exactly. Yeah. You kind of miss it, but I, as a DJ, I think I would usually would try to have like, you know, a few minutes before I start just, just for myself. It depends on the slot of the night, you know, like, yeah. uh, and perhaps I'll bring more questions now as a DJ. Sure. Uh, there's always that thing that I would say, I mean, I think I know between vinyl and USB you would definitely prefer to do a vinyl set. I would guess that but is that is that like a rule like you would never play digital or
0: no if you would have asked me probably three years ago i would have said no nah, nah, i'll stick to vinyl forever but no now i find i think they they both have the the, the pros and cons yeah honestly i've dj with vinyl pretty much till now just now i started using usb because what's happened very often is you get to the to the gig and the turntables are not set right. There's always what that one cable that is kind of interfered. There's always something, right? Yeah. Or you get the feedback from the bass coming back and, and or they give you a crappy table, the turntables are kind of wobbly. I oh, mean, we could, we could be here the whole day, right? Yeah. So eventually I was so frustrated that I started bringing my, my USB sticks as, as a as as backup. backup. Yeah. And I ended up playing with them a lot of times and having the vinyl just... And it's like, oh, I just, I just dragged... 30 kilos of vinyl for nothing, you know, and I have these five gram USBs with 5,000 tunes in them. It seems completely ridiculous, right? But, I mean, the vinyl gives you a, a, a... In my case, specifically, I find much more rewarding... And yeah. easy to do to to just
1: to flick browse. Oh yeah, definitely. The the it's, browsing experience is totally oh, different. Oh man, it's,
0: it's, rather I mean, than
1: scrolling, <laughs> scrolling on now. on
0: the tiny screen on on the CDJ. I find that very very yeah very tiring. Yeah, it, it's like my brain feels squeezed when he's like, you know. Yeah, I relate. To and that. I'm so used to actually just looking at that specific label. Sometimes you you see the level, you know, oh it's that tune. Sometimes you don't even remember the how the, the tune was yeah, called yeah, yeah. or the artist. Especially oh, yeah. when it's a language I can't speak, which is probably eighty percent of my collection. Yeah. It's it's just a mental image in my head, which is most of the time the label. That's especially true. in the forty fives, you know. And yeah, yeah. if I have two bros, it's 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 a totally different game. Much yeah. harder game to play. But yeah, I right now it's I always try to especially if I travel like at this point I always try to have both options because you never... If I can use only vinyl, I'll definitely choose that. It's, yeah. it's much more rewarding. But I have to be I have to be fair and say that the amount of times that I've played with vinyl that conditions were very good and everything was according to plan were very few. Yeah, and not
1: everywhere is like brilliant corner spirit lane <laughs> when you come and it's like a proper setup. Too good to be true. You exactly. know, sometimes like so sensitive. Uh, but yeah, I totally understand that. I th- for me, it's always been a space of uh, depends where it is, what it is. Like, totally. uh, you know, last night I did, I need to do just less than an hour at two o'clock, and I felt like ridiculous carrying records <laughs> to go on stage at two o'clock in the morning. How many and, do you take? Yeah, no, I just bought with the USB. That's oh, it. there you I go. I was okay, like, okay, that's okay. <laughs> I do it. I came the easy way around. Like, and you know what? It was, it was quite decent. There I really enjoyed it because. I knew where I'm going to with Mm -hmm. that. Uh, You probably played in different countries, different cities, different venues. Anything pops in mind that you were like, oh, that's probably one of the best gigs I did. And it's not necessarily in terms of the best gig, in terms of the crowd, the venue. You know, there's sometimes those elements that can create that perfect experience. Totally. Anything that come up the top of your head with that?
0: I mean, we we are in England right now, and, and I always say this. Uh, I remember the first tour I did in England with Fumasa Preta was, was very special for me because during my teenage years, I was so into music that was made in England, specifically in London, or connected to it. You know, I was, as I said, according to Scar, Rocksteady, reggae, later on, uh, the whole mod thing, had quite a significant impact, so to me playing in in London for the first time was quite a
1: unique experience quite I yeah, guess, it was yeah. quite a
0: special thing. I got very emotional on that gig and and it was my first encounter with the with the british public the british crowd and i I still think to this day after having played many times in in England, I think that is is the is the best crowd for music in Europe. I totally support that hands down. I totally support that. I
1: had that conversation with a few people and that's my opinion as well. I'm glad you said that because yeah. I do feel...
0: You're biased, right? You live here. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's
1: regardless of that. That's why, what, what a friend said to me. Oh, yeah, because we're here and we know the crowd the best. And I was like, not necessarily, man. I've, I've no. been everywhere. Sweden, uh, Switzerland, Germany, France, yeah. Italy. Every country has a different vibe. Uh but there is something about the UK that they, I feel the crowd is very, you know, they, they get it. They don't judge you in a point of like, oh, entertainment. They're here to. No, to hear that's, music. The, yeah, yeah. You,
0: you said a, a, a crucial word. It's, I, I believe, and, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe people in England have a, a much more significant relationship with music. It's, yeah. it's such, an, such an integral part of, of the culture. Right there. I
1: think it's the main reason I'm here.
0: Probably. I mean, yeah. you're not here for the weather for sure. <laughs> Give uh, me that. Give you me know, know, we're very lucky today. <laughs> not today, not today mm-hmm. we can complain. But yeah. um no, they, they have a very, very special, deeply embedded, intrinsic relation with, with music. That is it's a very, very special thing. And I find people to be very, very educated with music, they're also very curious. Yeah. They and and yeah, it's it's a different level of of, of passion, I would say. Yeah, I haven't right, encountered encountered that in many other places.
1: Nice. I support that a lot. I think you you made it very clear in the point. <laughs> uh, any great albums, tracks that you heard recently that you want to recommend? Something that pop in top of your head, just you know, as an individual. Let me see.
0: Let me try to remember new or old
1: doesn't matter doesn't, doesn't matter, matter. <clears throat> for me music if i heard it for the first time it's new it doesn't matter if it came out 20 years ago five years ago <laughs> yesterday like you know what i mean it's new it's not milk it doesn't go
0: off you know it's totally oh let me think you totally caught me off guard Got you. okay <laughs> Uh, especially because I just came came back from the, the massive record store that used to be in Utrecht. Now they do it in, in Den Bosch. It's like the biggest record store, the, the biggest record fair. What was the latest records that you picked? Let's start that. With that's the, the like, thing. I picked like 50 different records oh, God. and I haven't really <laughs> had the time to listen to them. But let me try to remember. There was... Oh my God. What was the one? What was the one? What I, I traded one record... I remember I, I I got one record from from this guy. He was working at the Habibi Funk stand, and Giannis. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. No, not Yanis, the guy who. who works ah, with I was him. working there. Okay. I don't remember. I di- I didn't know he was a musician until he's like, oh, you got your new record out. You you want to trade? I, normally, I don't want to trade because I have too many records, mm. but he w- he asked so nicely. Like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So I took a gamble, and. And it was it was very good. It was sample based, okay. But he picked up predominantly obscure African Caribbean recordings, which you normally don't hear in a sample based okay. album, right? Normally people will sample jazz, yeah, soul or or, or Afro funk, whatever. No, he sampled like a really old Angolan tune that I actually knew. Okay, uh, it's a, a very nice tune or some Cape Verdean stuff. And I found that very, 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 very refreshing. Nice. I think the band was called the name? Uno Loop. Uno Loop. Yeah, I could recommend that. I think
1: is down the other label of Habib Funk. It's a, jet, it's jet a parallel label. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot the name. Uh, we're going to put it remember. in the description. I, I think don't I, remember. I think I know what you're talking
0: about. Nice. I think it's the only album that I managed to, to listen to to after the fair because after the fair was just mental totally sort of yeah. prepare for this handling the album yeah. that one I heard and, and I liked nice so yeah.
1: yeah nice well that's a good shout uh, we're running out of time it was an absolutely pleasure to have you here Alex it was a uh, pleasure totally thank you I would definitely next time you're in town do let me know because I want to do that B-side sessions with you as well bringing like your favorite B-side uh, records we'll do it uh And thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. DJ Kobayashi, Alex Figuera. Last question. Best online radio?
0: There you go. Soho Radio. Yeah. (laughs) Thank
1: you very much.